Hey, y'all. Welcome to Shades of Brown, the podcast that discusses the ever-evolving and sometimes contradicting thoughts of a Black millennial. I'm your host, Allie B, and I'm so very thankful that you are here with me for this episode. If it's your first time with me, a very special welcome to you, and I hope that you will stick around. Uh, I have a very, very special guest with me this week. Her name is Latanya Howell. She is the author of The Trauma Was Necessary. She's also a wife, artist, bonus mom, and an HR executive living in Salt Lake City, Utah. And she is my friend. Welcome to Shades of Brown, Latanya. How you doing? I'm so good. How are you, Allie B.? I'm doing good. It's so good to have you here, girl. I miss you. I'm excited. <laughs> I know. I'm excited. <laughs> um. All right. So before we start unpacking all of the things, let's get into this first segment, which is Shades of Dating. This is a segment where mm-hmm. me and my guests, we just share ridiculous dating stories. And though you are happily married, Latanya, I am sure you've got plenty of good stories that predate your marriage because you are a black woman living in Utah. And let me tell you, child, if you don't know about that life, it is something special being a black single woman in Utah, yeah. <laughs> wanting to marry a black man. <laughs> my yeah. God. So I'm certain you got some good stories. Girl, spill the tea. <laughs> All right. I do. I have many that I could choose from, um, but I'm going to tell you about one that sticks out the most for me. So I was dating this man from North Carolina. Um, he and I had been dating for, I think, probably a year at this point. He, uh, his father, unfortunately, passed away. None of his family could afford to get him back to North Carolina for his father's funeral. He wasn't able to afford it on his own. He had some of it, but not all of it. So me being the trusting, loyal person that I am, I helped to pay for this man to get to North Carolina for his funeral. Happy to do it, right? I'm like, Very sweet. Thank you. You know, I'm like, he's he's in a position of need. Let me help out. So he goes, he ends up staying in North Carolina for about a month. Um, He comes back to Utah. He and I are hanging out one night and um, he leaves his phone on the couch. And, you know, I snooped, I did. I, I just felt like I needed to. Come to find out the entire time this man was in North Carolina with the money that I helped use to get him there, he was speaking to several different women. Literally from the moment he touched down, he was already lined up to speak with people during his father's funeral and all the traumatic events that were going on. So needless to say, ended up breaking up with him. Uh, He moved back to North Carolina, like within days of us breaking up. And then this Negro proceeded to send me an engagement ring through FedEx to propose to me. Girl, girl. What? <laughs> yes, FedEx. FedEx. You got a proposal to the mail. Right? So I have FedEx contacting me, telling me that I need to sign for something. And I'm like, oh, maybe it's something for work. I don't know what's going on. Sign for it, open it up. He has a note in there, and it is an engagement ring. An ugly one at that. But that's <laughs> besides the point. Um, you got a proposal through the mail. Where they do that through at? The through the mail. Yes. Wow. No, that's a that's a pretty wild story. <laughs> that's a pretty wild. Story. That's a pretty wild story. Yeah. <laughs> People be trifling. So trifling. So trifling. Dang. There's a lot to unpack in just that one day. Like that's a lot. That was a lot of twists and turns in one little story. <laughs> it was. It was a lot. It was a lot. You're supposed to be grieving and you over here just doing all the things. Wild. I mean, wild. Like, I wasted no time. No no time at all. Flight landed at like 12.05. He was with some chick at one o'clock. Like, (laughs) oh my gosh. Dang, man. Y'all do. Me and the woman of God, do better. Do better. Do better. That's wild. Okay. (laughs) Anywho, well, thank you, praise God, that you are now with a lovely man and have a beautiful yes, marriage. God praise God. 
Okay. So let's unpack it. Um, You recently wrote a book, as I mentioned, called The Trauma Was Necessary. And I wanted to um, have this conversation with you to unpack all the things because I felt like uh, what you share here is so relevant to and is aligned with um, the things that some of the things that I share here on Shades of Brown. So trigger warning before you continue listening to this episode, people of God, saints and friends, please be advised this episode may highlight several traumatic events, including but not limited to foster care experiences, incarceration, divorce, loss of a child, etc. Now we shall continue. So what led you to write this book, Latanya? I personally know you to be an extremely low-key person, a very private person. So how did this even come about? Um, short answer, God. Yeah. So, um, you know, and I, I talk about this in my book because I talk about the fact that I am known to be a very private, closed-off person. Um, when I was younger and I was dealing with a lot of the traumatic events that I discussed, I had moments where I I just cried and I'm like, why is this happening to me? What is wrong with me? Why are you punishing me? That kind of thing. And one day, clear as day, I heard God say, you know, this is this is not for you. This is for you to help other people. Okay. All right. Kind of sat on that for a little bit. Um, And then about 10 years ago, I heard those same words again, but this time it came with write a book. Right. And I don't know. I didn't know anything about writing a book. I'm envisioning in my mind this process where you have to go and you have to sit down and you have to discuss your book idea with in a boardroom full of people and they have to give you the thumbs up. Right. I have no idea where to start with this. And so I kind of sat on that, started writing nothing, nothing major, but started writing it, um, knowing that that's what I was being assigned to do. And then just trusting that God would figure out the rest for me. Wow. Wow. So you've been sitting on this for over a decade. Yes. Wow. Yes. And I don't ever recall you ever mentioning your book. Ever. You just been <laughs> just holding it in your belly, girl, just over here carrying all these things. Wow. And, and the part of that is just because I, I didn't know if I could do it. Yeah. I doubted myself the entire process, right? And I didn't know if it would actually happen or how it would happen. So it was fearful for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I shut the pause, girl. You are just so beautiful. Like your skin oh. is just vibrant. You're just glowing. <laughs> Good Lord. Like, you're so pretty. Like I was legit distracted just now. Like, oh my gosh, she's so freaking gorgeous. <laughs> Back at you. Back at you for many, many years i called allison my woman crush every day because <laughs> you're always stunning the way you carry yourself you're just like this southern just charming oh. just i love it and i still Thank feel that you. way about you oh <laughs> that's so sweet i remember one time time she was the time was like she's like girl if i was gay you'd be my type <laughs> Yeah, that's something I would say. I, I have this habit of like complimenting my friends, but making it uncomfortable for oh, them. Awkward. Like, okay. <laughs> oh, good times. Good okay, times. back to the conversation, guys. So, <laughs> okay, clearly, you know, the book is about um, trauma, right? Um, and you talk in the in the book about how trauma shapes us and informs us even long term. Um, and clearly we know that some traumatic events, you know, have immediate, you know, uh, effects, right? If you're in a car accident, right, there's immediate pain possibly or immediate scarring, right? Um, but there's also um, long-term impacts. Can you, um, before I say that, you also share that it wasn't until your 20s that you even realized just how much uh, trauma impacted you. Can you share a few examples of how uh, trauma was showing up for you or how it continues to show up for you in just your day-to-day living? Yeah, I think uh, my personality, right? Um, so if you know me, you know that I'm very sarcastic. I'm very witty. Um, I'm also very blunt. 
which those things are great and they've served me well. But at the end of the day, those are all trauma responses to different Mm -hmm. events that have happened in my life. Right. Um, Sarcasm comes from a place of me not feeling heard as a child and me feeling like no matter how many times I try to express what I'm dealing with, um, it fell on deaf ears. So you're not going to take it serious. I'm not going to take it serious kind of thing. Right. Um, I think dating was very eye-opening for me as well and understanding that the way that I responded to certain events um, was exactly that. It was a trauma response. So basically I've learned that this personality that I've grown to love of myself is basically just a bunch of trauma responses um, jumbled up together. (laughs) Yeah, jumbled up, man. It can be it can be quite overwhelming and intimidating to to come into the awareness that oh snap my personality is just full of trauma responses. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and before I continue, I want to make make it plain like in what we're talking about. I want to give a a general overview. I don't want to give too much away of your personal story, but I do want to give a general overview. So let's go back to your childhood. Right, the book talks mm-hmm. about how you were. Um, born in quite unconventional circumstances. Um, can you share a bit with us just a quick synopsis of like how you came into this world? This th- Wait, before, let me say this, y'all. This line in the book, it just stood out to me like, dang, you say in chapter one, life was unfair before I even knew I was alive. That is so heavy. Can you like give us a quick synopsis of like what your uh, world was when you came into this world? Yes. Um, So I was born in prison. My mother was incarcerated when she gave birth to me. Um, So I immediately went into foster care. Um, My father knew nothing of me. Um, So, yeah, right out the door. It was (laughs) life was life. Yeah. Yeah. Man, (laughs) life was life from day one. From day one. And um, so you have a mom who cannot, even if she wanted to, cannot care for you. And you have a father mm-hmm. who does not even know you are alive. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, essentially you are parentless. Um, mm-hmm. When it comes to, we, we're both believers, right? We, we believe in Jesus Christ. Um, why do you believe God allows these things when it comes to experiencing such awful traumatic things? And you did touch on it earlier um, can you, can you expound a bit? Because it's just like, like, as you say, you know, life was unfair before you even came in here. It's like, but why though? And, and we know that God does not cause these things, right? Like God isn't just like, yeah, you, I'm going to ruin your life. I'm going to make things unfair for you. I'm going to make things hard for you. I'm going to cause you trauma. I don't believe, I don't believe God causes traumatic events, but sometimes mm-hmm. it's just like, but, but you, you just going to stand by though, God? Like, can you share a bit more about like some of the why when it comes to, you know, God allowing these things? Yes. Um, You know, so the Bible tells us that we were everything that happens with us was predestined. It was assigned to us in our mother's womb, essentially. Um, And, you know, God knew that I would carry out what he had called me to do. He knew that. I would be obedient and have that dedication to him to 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 go through with being vulnerable and putting myself on the line and exposing everything that I've gone through. Um, and so I don't I wouldn't go as far to say that he causes it to happen to us or he allows it to happen to us, but certainly he we go through it so that we can help someone else through the situation, right? So that um someone else who's feeling the the experiences that I feel felt the trauma the all of that suicidal all of those things has some sort of like okay I can make it through this too and yeah. so you know that's that's part of being a vessel for God and He knew I would say yes to Him and so yeah. this is this is part of that journey and that speaks to a quote in your book that says. Um, I believe that we were given rebellious spirits because we are the chosen generation to break the cycle that has kept our bloodlines in bondage for so long. And I thought that was really powerful because it's just like, I I too have had that like, why me moment, you know, in regards Mm -hmm. to certain certain circumstances I've experienced. And um, 
I remember being in prayer one day and in Holy Spirit sort of revealing to me some things that happened well before I came to this world. My mom came into this world and possibly even my grandma. There were some things that happened generations prior that we were just born into. And mm-hmm. maybe God, you know, tried to um, heal things through my grandma or through my mom, you know, or through other people. Maybe. Right. But as you talked about, he knows who, who he can trust with mm-hmm. um, going against the grain and with being rebellious and and with an assignment that requires you to be to be a bit confrontational, honestly, you know, because it's mm-hmm. like these are things that impact the bloodline completely, you know. So I thought that that line right. in your book was extremely powerful because it takes someone who does have a rebellious spirit to say, ah, 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 it stops with me. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not just going to feel it. We're going to deal with this stuff. We can't continue another generation like this because it don't have to be this way. Um mm-hmm. So I love that you say, like, he knew I was going to say yes. He knew I was going to be obedient. So why not me? Why not mm-hmm. me? That's really, really beautiful. Um, in chapter one, you also say uh, that understanding what runs in your family gives you an advantage in handling trauma because it can give you some insight into what you may face, possibly. It can also show you what to avoid so that you don't run into the same issues. Why do you think so many people are afraid to accept and confront the reality of their bloodline. It's like, we know so many people who are aware of their family history, of the things that show up, of the patterns, you know, whether it's alcohol abuse or substance abuse or premarital, uh, babies out of wedlock, whatever it is, we see these patterns and it's like, we all seeing this, why isn't anyone like, having to come to Jesus meeting, why do you think it's difficult for for many of us to accept the reality of of what our family bloodline is? Um, Because it requires us to be vulnerable. Mm. It requires us to uh, not hide behind things, but stand up and say, okay, this is happening in my family. This has happened in my family. I I don't want it to continue. So many times we want to hide we're taught to hide and to be secretive. What happens in the family stays in the family. Um, and so standing up to it, you you can't do that. You have to be vulnerable yeah. and you have to talk about it and you have to confess and say, like, listen, my family, we got some things on us. Yeah. <laughs> we're dealing with some things. And and that's a hard thing to do. Yeah, yeah. There, I mean, there are things in this book that you detail that literally seem like it, it's a script from a straight up Lifetime movie, you know, and it's like sharing those things. It, it, it isn't easy, right? You know, to share how, you know, because your mother was incarcerated, you had to have social workers come, you know, and, and, and you know, care for you or take you. And, and you describe us a, a particular day that sticks with you. And I don't want to give too much away, but it's like. I'm so thankful that God could trust you with this because it does take quite vulnerability to risk, right? Like to risk being seen. Mm -hmm. It's interesting that um, a core human need for us, right? Is to be seen and heard. Yet one of our deepest fears is also to be fully seen, right? Like it's so ironic. We want you to see what we want you to see, right? Yeah. We don't want you to see the full picture. We want to show you what we want to show you. And that's it. Yeah. And and we often act as if there's such shame to come from a family that is, quote unquote, broken or not, you know, functional. And it's just like we are all a bunch of flawed people just trying to figure it out. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's like if we Brene Brown talks about how like uh, shame can't survive in um uh, in safe spaces where you tell when, shame can't survive when you tell your story in safe spaces right and it's like mm-hmm. the more we share the more we become safe spaces the more we are accepting we realize oh shame that's a lie like we need to be free yeah. forget all that other stuff like forget that uh, so, so um, I love that you share how we need to understand our family history. We need, it's, it's not about exposing people and making folks mm-hmm. look bad. It's like, no, 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 no. We need to understand where we come from in order to 
better cultivate our future, to better cultivate a legacy that is not full of pain and trauma and all of the things. So I just love that you break down how important it is for us to understand um, our history. Um, In what ways have you personally safeguarded yourself from being vulnerable to the patterns that run in your family? Yeah, so I think uh, drug abuse is a major one, alcoholism, major patterns that run in my family. Um, So for me, because I watched my mom, and I talk about this in the book, I watched my mom struggle big time with drug addiction, in and out of prison, unable to like really control herself. Um, That was a natural aversion for me when it came to heavy drug use. Same with alcohol. I, you know, enjoy a drink every now and again, but you'll never see me drunk. You'll never see me just not in control of myself. Yeah. Um, I also think just just praying over certain things, right? Because something that manifests for me through the traumatic experiences that I've had is uh, forms of anxiety and just being scared that because this happened to me, um, I'm going to push that forward to other other people that are close to me, or um, I may miss out on opportunities, whatever the case might be because of the experiences I went through. So praying over those situations as they come up and praying over my life and the life of future generations and my bloodline um, as I I learn more. Um, Another, you know, I, I talk about, I don't know if I talk about this in my book, but like murder. I have a bloodline of murderers, like murderers, right? Um, and so, and I, that comes from anger. We have anger issues in my family. And so being aware of that and learning how to, um, control my anger, going to therapy, you know, learning coping mechanisms, learning how to function, knowing that that's on my bloodline. Yeah. And this is like, it's not funny, but it was funny to me, like how you wrote it in the book. Um, there's, you talk about, of course, how you didn't, you know, know your father, but that, you know, um, the little bit you did know of him, um, you knew that he was a good man, right? But you also mm-hmm. mentioned that he um, he was uh, trained in martial arts and mm-hmm. that in the state of Illinois, his fists were registered as weapons. Mm-hmm. Yep. How does yep. that, like, like houseway, like what, what, what? Deadly weapon is something that, uh, if not used properly, can lead to death, basically. That is why I was was reading like, you know, I'm thankful that we, you know, never had any beef because I don't want no problems. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want no problems. I was like, wait, where? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, didn't my dad, I just know that his fists were deadly. Yep. Like, what? Mm -hmm. Yep. Did you ever, did you ever become comfortable with um, your pain or even numb to it? Um, Numb to it, absolutely. Uh, I talk about, you know, so much of my personality being trauma responses. I'm very nonchalant about life. Like, (laughs) Allison, you you actually, you kind of tease me about this a lot because... (laughs) Things can be on fire, and I am that one person who's like, oh, well, all right, we gonna this do? is going to burn. <laughs> it's, it's happening. What are we going to do? Right? I have um, never met a more unbothered person. I really have not. It is the wildest thing, y'all. Like, she, she always, she does not raise her voice. She always talks like this, y'all. Like, nothing gets Latanya riled up. And I'm like, girl, <laughs> Ow, how did you do this? It's a trauma response and it's a, a factor of me numbing myself to certain things that happen to, to guard, to safeguard myself yeah. and protect myself. Because as a child, I didn't have adults that were doing that. So I had to learn mm-hmm. mechanisms to do it. Ooh. And me becoming nonchalant was one of those. Jesus, Jesus. Like, it's so much, it's so much. Okay. All right. So you, that clearly being, you know, a way that you guarded yourself and um, coped. Were there other coping mechanisms and other survival strat- strategies that you had? And what are some that you, you know, uh, maybe still have um, in regards to those trauma responses like 
Um, I know that then, right, as as your child or maybe, a, you know, a preteen, a teenager, you may not even recognize it as that, right? It's like, this is just who I am. Mm-hmm. But when you look back, you can see, okay, that was a coping mechanism. That was a defense mechanism. Like I was like, you know, doing this because of that. Like w- what were some of those things? Oh man, so many. Um, anger. You know, I always talk about how when I was younger, I had a really bad temper and it still comes out every once in a while, right? <laughs> <laughs> but anger is nothing but pain. It, it's sadness that is being released in a, in a more aggressive form, if you will, right? Um, so that's one of them. I would also say um, feeling unheard as a child. When I feel unheard now, I just shut down. I just stop talking, just get quiet because um, you're not going to hear me no matter what I say. So I'm not wasting my breath. So mm. you figure it out. <laughs> mm. Yeah, man. Um Let's shift from childhood. So, so you know, listeners, as you read this book, you'll see, you know, that Latanya was uh, in and out of different foster homes um, and, you know, experiencing and seeing a lot, right? And that carries you into, you know, life as an adult. Now you have moved from um, Illinois. You are living in Utah with your foster family. And fast forward, you have graduated high school, college. You're living your best life, you know, as a an adult. Um, and now you come into getting married, starting a family, having a baby, right? Mm-hmm. And I can imagine that being like, you know, the light at the end of the tunnel, right? Like, ah. Oh, things are finally making sense. There's some, you know, sense of normal, normalcy in my life, right? Like this is the, for many of us, that's the pinnacle, right? Like, ah, Mm -hmm. white picket fence, the husband, you know, or the the, the spouse, the child, whatever, whatever, like this is it. A good career, you know, we got a good church family, good community. Life is coming together. The puzzle pieces come together. But then that story also ends in tragedy. Um, can you talk about like that process? How do you even recover when you now have all the things and Mm -hmm. then, and then you lose that too. You lose your child and Mm -hmm. you also lose your marriage. Like, girl, it's like, all right now, Lord, I'm tired of being (laughs) your strongest soldier. Like, (laughs) Even had enough challenges. Great. <laughs> um, it is a choice. It mm. is, and I talk about this a lot in the book. It is a day by day, sometimes minute by minute choice. Um, when my daughter passed away, so she passed away from SIDS. She basically just went to sleep, never woke up. Mm. Um, <clears throat> when she passed away, I remember feeling like I was literally at a crossroad, Mm -hmm. right? And it was like, okay, I can allow this thing, my worst nightmare that just happened to me to completely eat me alive, Mm -hmm. or I can choose to keep moving forward. I have no Mm -hmm. idea what moving forward looks like. I have no idea if I can do it, but I can trust God and go that route. Yeah. Um, I remember the night she passed away or the night, the evening of that she had passed away, my first lady at the time came over to our apartment and she looked at me and I'm in, I'm in just shock, right? Mm-hmm. I'm in go mode. She, she grabbed my hand and she says, you know what? It's okay to be mad at God. Mm-hmm. It's okay for you to be mad at God right now. And I knew that if I allowed myself to go there, I would, I would m- maybe never come back from that. Yeah, I would be stuck there. Right. And it was a literal choice of seeing myself at this crossroad and going, okay, I don't want that path. I don't know what this path of going forward and trusting God looks like, but I think I'm going to take my chances there. Mm. And it it, it wasn't easy, right? It wasn't like I chose that path and things were rosy and flowers yeah. and nothing like that. It was very difficult. And like I said, even now to this day, when her death anniversary comes up, when her birthday comes up, the holiday season Mother's Day, right? All of those holidays, it is me constantly choosing to make that decision to trust God and keep going. Mm. Whew. 
Jesus Christ, my God. I think that's so powerful. Even you having the awareness, like I've, I have to make a choice because I may like go off the rails if I don't like consciously decide another way. I think that's really powerful. Um, I don't know that, I don't know. I don't know why God chooses certain folks, certain things, but I'm just thinking about like the average person. I don't know that many would even have that moment, right? Like I don't, cause sometimes we can be so consumed by emotions and circumstances and that's no judgment. Like that's just life, right? Mm-hmm. We can be mm-hmm. so consumed with what's happening ex- externally that we don't even pay attention to what's happening mm-hmm. internally. So for you to have that moment, you know, with yourself and say, all right, like we have, we have decisions to make that, you know, have severe implications, you know, considering which path I take. I think that's, I honestly think it speaks to Holy Spirit, right? The the power of Mm -hmm. God in you, you know, and his sovereignty, even in moments like that to be like, all right, are you, you going to rock with me? Like you might, you might be mad Mm -hmm. for a minute. You might be angry and rightfully so. But if you rock with me, I got you, man. God's grace is sufficient, man. That that just sucks. That yeah. sucks. Yeah. And remember, I didn't know you when you were um, married. This is we're referring to your first marriage. I didn't mm-hmm. know you uh, when you were married, but I remember um, you telling me once um, that, of course, you know, after your child passed, sometime after that, you ultimately ended up. Um, ending that marriage. Mm-hmm. And I remember you telling me that it was a simple thing that would remind that would remind you you were divorced, such as like struggling to unzip a dress by yourself, right? Like oh, yes. those coat small- hanger. Yeah. Learn how to use a coat hanger to zip my dress and unzip it. <laughs> man, man. And, and I hear you saying, you know, like clearly it wasn't all, you know, roses and sunshine after you chose, right? While you're at the crossroads. And you talk about how your first lady gave you kind of sort of gave you permission to be angry. Did you ever mm-hmm. kind of yield into that emotion? Like, God, I'm upset with you because I feel like you have failed me yet again. Yes. And I would say I yield to that emotion sometimes now. Mm. Right. Because um, here I am. I'm in my second marriage now. Um, I'm still desiring to have another child. It hasn't happened for me yet. Um, I have a bonus son and I'm extremely grateful for that. Right. But I still have those moments when Mother's Day comes around, when, you know, those desires to have another child come around where I'm like, God, like, okay, this has been a really long time. I'm getting older now. Right. And it's it's allowing myself the freedom because I feel like I'm I'm more spiritually mature now to where I can allow myself to go there, but also bring myself out of that and yeah. not dwell there. Yeah. So it still happens. <laughs> yeah. What, and just in general, right? Like what? Because clearly I'm talking to the healed version of Latanya, right? Like mm-hmm. this is a woman who's on the other side, who has been processed, who has been refined. But what, just in general though, like, even when you were in the thick of it, right? What has kept you going all these years? Faith. Faith, you know. um, Every month when the cycle comes, right? And I find myself getting sad and getting depressed. And I say, okay, God, I'm choosing to trust you anyway. Uh, It's a choice. I like, I really, I can't express it enough. Like it is, it is a choice. And also just knowing that God covered me and protected me and brought me through my worst nightmare. Like losing a child was the ultimate worst thing I could have ever imagined happening to me. Right. Um, And knowing that he was able to like hold me and literally carry me through that process. It makes me know that there's nothing he can't do on the go forward. Mm. is sponsored by the brand new book Bye Bye Burnout written by Nikita Lawrence. 
Takeda is an international speaker, best-selling author, HR leader, and executive coach, mentoring corporate women to rise, accelerate their purpose, and successfully navigate their careers in and outside of corporate America. Nikita helps women dismantle the negative patterns that have been keeping them stuck, exhausted, unsure of themselves and their worth using a simple framework. Her book, Bye Bye Burnout, is a no-shame guide written to help successful women leaders unpack their stressors, find freedom from exhaustion, and experience more peace in their life and work. This book is not a replacement for medical advice, but is a trusted companion to your medical provider's recommended treatment or recovery plan. Bye Bye Burnout is a must-read for women, moms, wives, sisters, co-workers, and friends going through a season of hardship or transition who want peace and need to silence the outside noise to hear from the small, still voice inside. Purchase your copy at www.wakeupyourgift.com and save 10% using the code Shades of Brown. Learn more about Nikita's work at nikitalawrence.com. And I've got my copy right here. And y'all, I've really been enjoying it. Um, it allows me to decompress. She has some stuff in here. One, the content is just really, really good. And um, before each chapter, there's this affirmation or a phrase where I can like color in, you know, so I've been like coloring in stuff and it's really been relaxing along with reading such good content. So good that I've gone and bought her other um, book. So I'm waiting for that to arrive as well. And yeah, this is really, really good guys. So again, you can purchase your copy and save 10% using the code Shades of Brown. Thank you to our sponsor. Back to the show. To like hold me and literally carry me through that process, it makes me know that there's nothing he can't do on the go forward. Mm. Mm. Man, considering um, you know, we talk about how we analyze our personality and our character, and we see um, how trauma has impacted these things, right? How it has shaped our identity, sort of. Um, when you come into finding your safe space and you do find this beautiful love again, right? And you uh been, been married a few years now, right? It's three, mm-hmm. four. Yeah. Three years. Just three on years, November right? 25th. Yeah. When you come into that space, right? And it's like, okay, all this, right? You use that your sarcasm, you being nonchalant. How do you reconcile your personality when you finally realize, oh, snap, I'm safe? Like is it is there a tension there in 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 yielding uh these trauma responses when it's like okay I, i'm I'm healed over here we good how does that work for you yeah um you know i'll say my husband hates my sarcasm is <laughs> not a fan but <laughs> You know, God bless me with the man who calls me out on that. And (laughs) by him doing so, it forces me to take down that defense mechanism and have real conversations Mm. about why I'm responding that way. Right. And so um, he'll even say to me sometimes like, "Okay, you're responding sarcastically. Mm. I know that there's something more behind how you're responding. So let's unpack what's really happening. Let's talk about that. <laughs> and are you even aware? Like, because are you even aware when you're being sarcastic? Because I find sometimes it's like, if I'm not caught out, it, it doesn't even register that this was, you know, not an authentic response. Like I was, that was my response, not knowing that it possibly was snarky or condescending or whatever. So do you, do you always know, are you conscious of your sarcasm? I am very conscious of it. Uh... <laughs> you choose this life. That's how you said, I choose this petty life. I don't know how to be another way, right? I can recognize what I'm doing and where it's coming from. But at the end of the day, I don't know how to be another way, right? So I'm aware because it also comes with eye rolls. It also comes like my face tells everything. I cannot hide an emotion if I wanted to. My face is like, yep, this is what she's thinking. Here you go. You're welcome. Um, (laughs) So I I am aware and I do try to stop myself, (laughs) Right. I do try to like pause 
Um, but I'm also quick witted. And so sometimes this stuff is just like, (laughs) (laughs) it's nothing, it's nothing. Right. Um, so yes, unfortunately. Well, I ain't be choosing violence y'all to see, cause I'm over here here like, you know, I just, it's just, I don't even know sometimes like they're helping me and you're like, no, I I know I'm well aware. (laughs) Yeah. Lord help me. (laughs) I have literally all the Bible verses talking about the tongue and yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> all yeah. of that Mark highlighted, written on posty notes. Yeah. Um, because I know. I and you, you said it quite <laughs> casually, but I do think it's profound when you said, I'm aware, but I don't know another way to be. And mm-hmm. I think that's where a lot of folks find themselves like, well, I get it, you know? And and of course, you know, we're talking about something as simple and, you know, minute as sarcasm, right? But I think that that can um, be applied to so many of us in in regards to the bigger things. It's like, I get that I'm unhealthy. I get that I ruin relationships. I get that I'm mean. I get that I push folks away, but I don't know another way to be. And I think that that awareness is beautiful and it shows humility. But I think that we have to be very conscious about yielding that and constantly choosing to depend on God to heal us Mm -hmm. in those spaces and to renew us and to create something new, right? We believers believe that when we come to Christ, we are created anew, afresh. And I think he can do that same thing for us emotionally in the soul, in the soul realm and mentally. It's like, you can become new, you know? Um, so I encourage my listeners, like, if that's you, you're like, I don't know another way. I hear what you're talking about. I don't know another way. I think that you don't have to know. I think that you can allow God to to lead you. And and, and let's not even be spiritual. I think you can allow your therapist, your leaders, your your faith leaders, your friends, um, your community, your mentors to help and guide, you know, you in those areas. Like we're not Mm -hmm. um, responsible, though we're responsible for for our own healing. We don't have to carry all this alone. Like we were not called to to be isolated individuals. Like there is a community for you. I just feel led to share this. There's a community for you who will help guide you into freedom. Like you ain't gotta just be the girl or the man who's always enraged and got an attitude and who does not ever find peace and who's always snarky and got to find something wrong with everything. Like, yo, like there's another way. You don't have to know it, but there is another Mm -hmm. way. Like lean into the community that surrounds you and yeah, find your freedom. You know, and I think a couple of other things go with that too, right? It's going back to being vulnerable. Yeah. You have to be vulnerable enough to say like, listen, I know I do this and I know this is not my best quality or my best trait, but I don't know anything else. Yeah. Um, But you also have to be around people who create an environment for you to do that. Right. And so um, my husband is that for me. He creates that environment where I can take down some of those barriers and I can just say, "Okay, this is how I'm feeling. And I'm I'm unlearning sarcasm. (laughs) Yeah. 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 It's on me today. (laughs) I use it all the time. I love that. Safety is so underrated, man. Like we have to be in safe communities. And I think that when we decide, you know, that we want to be free, we want to be authentic, we have to start rearranging our environments, whether that's work, mm-hmm. whether that's family, friends, partners. We have to start rearranging things to find safety because it's like, ain't no way I'm being vulnerable around folks I don't feel safe with. I, and, yeah. I, and I tell God that, like, Lord, I'm trying. You know, you keep telling me that because my pastor always says there is no victory without vulnerability. I'm like, Lord, I'm trying, but I feel like like these people are not safe. So you're going to have to show me, you know, help re- help me rearrange um, because otherwise these guards going to be up. Um, so but I think sometimes the vulnerability, it's not it's it's not on them to make it a safe space for you. Sometimes we're called to be vulnerable in uncomfortable spaces. Um, All right. Now, it's hard. That's a hard pill to swallow. But if you think about the way that Satan works and how he isolates us, he makes us to feel that what we're going through is something that only we're dealing with. Nobody can relate. Don't try talking to anybody because they're not going to understand anyway. They're going to judge you. They're going to make you feel like this. When we are vulnerable, we take power away from Satan Mm. to continue to do that to us. Because what is he going to tell me about what I've gone through in my life if I'm 
open about it and sharing it in the right in the yeah. right basis, right? He loses the power over me to hold that up against me. You preaching now. I'm going to say amen when you're right. It's tight, but it's right. <laughs> you're right. So sometimes we're, we're called to be vulnerable. And in us being vulnerable, other people can be vulnerable too. Man. That leads me to my next question. What does generational curse breaking mean to you? The choice. I feel like I'm like on broken record, but it's a choice. It's, it's, you know, I talk about the rebellious spirit and how God has given us rebellious spirits. Millennials, we get a hard time about, oh, y'all want to go against the grain. Y'all want to recreate the will. Y'all want to do, the will needs to be recreated. Hello. <laughs> this will ain't working. We, we five, six, seven generations in still doing the same thing. Something needs to be recreated. And yeah. I believe that God gave our generation the ability to be rebellious because Jesus was rebellious. Let's talk about that, right? Jesus didn't go with the flow. He didn't go with the norm. He was rebellious. God has given us the um, <clears throat> the balls, if you will, for lack of a better word, right? To, to go in and to be rebellious and to break generational curses. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Um, you you was you was snapping too talking about that in the book. You know, you was like, I mean, someone got you rebellious. Tell them I learned from the best. Jesus taught me, boo boo. <laughs> yes, baby, get it right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, I, and I think we forget that. Like Jesus certainly went against the grain. You know, mm-hmm. um, Amen. Here a moment with us when you realize, and it can be something small, when you realize like, oh, snap, I'm healed. Like, you know, you have those moments when it's like something happens and you don't respond the same. It's like, wait a minute. Either I'm numb or God has delivered. <laughs> can you share a moment where you realize like, man, I'm, I'm really healed? I think this entire book writing process was mm-hmm. that for me. Um, it took over 10 years. And part of the reason it took so long is because you think you've dealt with stuff. Mm. You think that, you know, it's no longer impacting you. Really, you've just buried it deeper. Um, But then you start writing about it and those emotions and those feelings come back up to the surface. And so there were certain chapters in the book where I sat on it for years. Wow. I just stopped and just sat on it. Um, And so when I found myself to the point where I could write about these things or even now just have conversations about some of the things that I've had and that have happened to me and not have so many negative emotions. That's my, all right, girl, you're doing good. Yeah. Keep going. <laughs> oh, I love that. I love those moments. And I think we should all be intentional about looking for those moments. Cause I think in our community, just in general, emotional wellness, mental wellness, these are new things for us, right? In regards Mm -hmm. to seeking them out intentionally. And I think that a lot of us have this misunderstanding or this um, expectation that there's going to be a moment where it's like, okay, I'm good, right? And and I've shared this, you know, in another community, it's like healing happens in moments, right? Like Mm -hmm. you'll, you'll, there's a scripture that talks about like, and they were healed as they went, right? You know, mm-hmm. so it's not like this ultimate moment where you're on the pinnacle, you're on the mountaintop. It's like, no, you're going to see it by and by. And I think that we should be um, intentional about celebrating those moments and recognizing those small victories. Like, oh, snap, I didn't respond the same. Like, oh man, like I didn't feel no way about that this time or they said mm-hmm. this or they were passive aggressive or they were this way with me or they ignored me or they misunderstood me, but it didn't. It didn't bother me the same, right? Or, or, you know, I responded with wisdom or with kindness this time and not whatever, whatever, right? Whatever it is for you, I think that we should be intentional about noticing those moments because that, and, and co- kind of collect them, collect those moments so that you realize, snap, I am really evolving. I'm really changing and it's beautiful. So I love it. I love that. Um, when... When you are uh, possibly triggered, you know, by old wounds or events, you know, um, traumatic events. And I think you've kind of touched on a bit about, you know, maybe Mother's Day or the holidays. Mm -hmm. How do you navigate those moments when 
things happen that that trigger old stuff? I allow myself to feel it all. Um, again, the key is just not is is not staying there, but I allow myself to go through the motions. So Mother's Day, I probably won't be at church on Mother's Day, right? I will probably be locked in my home. I'll probably be eating ice cream, right? If that's how I'm feeling. Yeah. Um, so I think that's important. Uh, and it, it's a critical part of healing is allowing yourself to feel those moments. Feeling those moments doesn't mean you're less healed. It doesn't mean that um, <clears throat> you're still allowing the trauma to victimize you. We are human and we're going to yeah. feel them. Yeah, we are human. Let's put these superhuman expectations down. Mm-hmm. We are just simply human. When you came to Christ, I'm sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, even, you know, when we have moments where we feel like we're healed, even healed from trauma, you can still digress. You can still have moments where you feel like you were never healed from it. It's all new. Allow yourself the grace to go through those emotions and to feel those and keep going. Know that it's a journey. There are some traumas that we will never fully be healed from. We just learn how to how to deal and navigate them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was recently recently listening to someone sort of describe their healing journey and talking about how, you know, when we come into physical pain, that as our bodies recover, typically, depending on how our bodies heal, there is some sort of scarring left. And of course, depending on the uh, significance or the intensity of the, of the pain, um, it could be a bigger scar. Right. And even though it's healed, there is a visible sign that something happened, right? Um, And that just stays with you. Like I I was freaking lotioning my legs last night looking at this scar and I'm like, dang, that's still there. That happened so long ago. And it was just a random thought, right? Just a random thought. I'm just lotioning and moisturizing. Like, I wish that would go away. It's just right Mm -hmm. in the middle of my leg. I wish it would go away. And that's how we are with our emotional stuff too, right? It's like, I wish it would go away. And it's like, no, it's it's not. Like that happened to you. That happened Period. It happened. We have healed, yet it's it's still there. And it may pop mm-hmm. up every now and then. A little bit of pain may come up. Like you said, it doesn't, that doesn't negate the work we've done to to overcome and to move beyond that moment. Um, so I love that you say that, like we're just human. So feel the feels and and deal with it as they come, right? You know, the pain mm-hmm. may come in waves, but the healing does as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's beautiful. But I was going to say was um, when you came to Christ, um, and, and it may not have been when you came to Christ, but just in general, how have you reconciled God's love for you, considering all that you've gone through? Like, how does one wrap your mind around the love of God, the intense, relentlessly seeking after you kind of love? How do you reconcile that, um, considering your life's history? Um, I think, you know, I, I talk about this as well in the book, but I felt the presence of God before I knew who God was, mm. before I had a name. I didn't grow up in the church. Um, <clears throat> I joined at a much later age, like the age of 19. Right. But when I would have those moments where I would just be crying and just saying, why is this happening to me? What is happening? Like, what is going on? What did I do wrong? I distinctly remember um, having one of those moments and feeling arms wrap around me. Mm-hmm. And obviously nothing is there. No one is there yeah. physically, right? But I'm feeling the yeah. pressure of arms mm-hmm. being wrapped around me. And I was really, really young when I felt that. And it wasn't until years, decades later, when I did start going to church that I I had that feeling again. Yeah. And this time I knew the name for it. This mm. time I knew I knew God. I knew what it was that I felt. Yeah. But for me, that was a sign that he was there the entire time. You know, I will was, run he, right now, girl. They <laughs> <laughs> say weepy. Ooh, wee. He was there. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. I gotta move on, child. You don't have me weeping in here for real. <laughs> Because he was there. He he ain't going to leave you, man. Like, he mm-hmm. will not forsake you. I didn't know who he was. I didn't know Girl, God. I didn't know, Jesus. I didn't know anything. I knew that feeling. And I knew that 
he would once I once I felt that when I was older and could put it to words, I knew he had never left me. He was there the entire time. Man, I could really go in a rabbit hole right here, but I really <laughs> want to say this like this is why like, you know, I I'm a believer. I believe in Jesus Christ. I love Jesus. Mm-hmm. And but this is why I I'm not a Bible thumper. It's because God makes himself aware to his children. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Like, and I'm not, I don't want to get into a salvation debate, listeners, about, you know, how we come into becoming believers. But there is a way where when you are not, when you don't even know who Jesus is, where you experience Holy Spirit and where he mm-hmm. is sharing of himself and pouring out his spirit mm-hmm. and it's like yo this is me right like he's not withholding himself just because we don't say his name or just because we have not come into the awareness of who he is to us yet like god is god and mm-hmm. he has a way of just like doing his thing regardless of our faith you know like mm-hmm. that is powerful man that's more powerful than any evangelism tool than any anything like experience with him Mm -hmm. period like let God do what God's gonna do he's going like it's him who draws us to him anyways like we don't find Jesus he finds us you know Mm -hmm. like oh girl (laughs) who okay in what ways have you seen um God restore. I know, you know, you talk about how you are, you know, still waiting on certain promises, right? You, you know, you still want a child and things like that. Um, but I'm certain there have been some things that have come full circle. Can you talk mm-hmm. about um, a, a beauty for ashes moment that you've had? Oh, man. Um, this year alone has been nothing but beauty for ashes. Yeah. Um, this has been an amazing year, like to the point where I feel guilty talking about it. Like, oh, because well, this is your place, girl. Talk, <laughs> yo, talk, tell us. That's I, the fact. I feel guilty um, because I, I understand how truly blessed I have mm. been this year. So, you know, I became a homeowner this year, first time homeowner. Congratulations. Um, first homeowner, thank you, On in my uh, bloodline for like, Four generations at least. No way. Right? Yes. Wow. Um, Tanya, girl, this is making me. Oh, I need some fish. <laughs> so, so that was definitely one. Um, and then I think my my bonus son. You know, so yeah, I still have the desire to have a child of my own, but the the relationship that I have with my stepson is like no other. He calls yeah. me Ton Mom. First of right? all, y'all look alike. Like, can we talk about Isn't that? Isn't that crazy? Y'all that literally crazy? look alike. Isn't that insane? Um, you know, he is four now. I've had the pleasure of being in his life since he was two. And when I tell you... Uh, like God has restored, even without me biologically having a child, mm. holidays are so much more bearable. The fact that this little boy calls me mom, doesn't leave my side when he's when he comes over, wants to do everything with me, um, just loves me, just knows. He'll just come in and give me the biggest hug and the biggest kiss on my cheek, like out of nowhere, not knowing that I'm desperately needing it in that moment. So, um yeah, it's just been amazing. <laughs> Man. That is beautiful. That's so beautiful, Latanya. What are you hoping that your readers take from this, from this book? Um, God's presence, God's love. I don't, I don't, I know that the book is about my life, obviously, but I don't want people to see me when they're reading the book. I want them to see God. I want them to see what he's capable of. Um, and I'm hoping that as a result of that, they'll trust him with whatever trauma that they have, right? They'll trust him and know that he's going to work it out. I love that. I love that. And there's something you say in there, um, that I hope is encouraging to your readers and the listeners who are listening right now is 
You say, I might not have been the cause of the trauma, but I was responsible for healing from it. And I hope Mm -hmm. that um, listeners, you take that to help you shift your perspective and how you move forward in overcoming all the things that have happened to you. Um, So, yeah, thank you. Thank you, Latanya, for for sharing um, a piece of your story. And I didn't want to give too many spoilers away. So, y'all, I really hope that you go get this book right away. So you can um, be encouraged and inspired and uplifted um, and ministered to because the girl was preaching in here. OK, <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait to finish it. I can't wait to finish. <laughs> All right. Let's get into brownie points. Uh, this is the segment set aside for us to celebrate ourselves for a recent victory, whether big or small. Um, so, Latanya, what are you giving yourself brownie points for? Um, so we moved into our new home in July and just last week, we have finally finished setting everything up. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that was such the process. I get why people are like, I'm never moving again because I very much feel that, but, um, I'm proud of us. I'm proud of me. You know, we did it. So I love that. (laughs) I I cannot wait for the day to come for me to do all those things. That's incredible. Congratulations again, girl. Like, Thank oh my you. goodness. Um, I'm giving myself brownie points for finally getting my uh, second tattoo. I've been wanting it for like yes. five plus years, you know. We um, talked about going to get tattoos together at yes. one point. <laughs> I'm still did. down, girl. Okay, I'm still it. down because I want more. <laughs> but I got my second tattoo finally. Uh, it's right here. Oh, uh, I love it. It says beauty I for love it's that a placement. Yeah, it um, it says uh, beauty for ashes. It's a lily, and the stem says beauty for ashes. Wow. Uh, yeah. So I finally got that done. So now I got two down and like three more to go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, if you are watching on YouTube, I would love for you to put in the comments what you are giving yourself brownie points for. Um, if you're listening, I would love for you to hop over to social media or to YouTube and get in the comments with us and tell us what you are celebrating yourself for. We are so hard on ourselves, especially at the end of the year, man. It's like, oh, I didn't get this done. didn't get that done. I'm still. Da-da-da. Listen, celebrate yourself. Every win is a win. A win is a win. A win is a win. Um, thank you again so much, Latanya, for uh, you. sharing your heart, for being vulnerable, for being open. And I do believe that so many, that every reader you have will be tremendously blessed um, by this. I'm, I've already highlighted so much, girl. Like, <laughs> I'm just being <laughs> highlighted. So, <laughs> um, so, yes, I appreciate you. Please tell us where we can get this book and how we can, you know, continue following you and keeping up with what you got, you know, going on and what you have coming up. Yeah. Um, so the book is available through barnesandnoble.com. It's available on Amazon. It's also available um, as an ebook or Kindle as well. Um, on social media, you can find me on Instagram, lalalivia8. So <laughs> wonderful. And I'll link, put all those uh, links in the description so you guys can quickly purchase the book and quickly follow Latanya. And um, as for me, you can, of course, follow me on social media, Instagram and Facebook at Shades of Brown Podcast. And if you'd like to buy some podcast merch, you could visit everythingleb.myspreadshop.com or just click the link in the description below. If you would like to sponsor an episode, feel free to do so. You can click the link in in the description below as well. And if you are a uh, potential podcaster, you you are an aspiring podcaster, but you're just not sure where to start, I would love to help you. I've got some resources for you. So please schedule a consultation with me, a free consultation with me, and uh, we can get that going. Your voice is needed as well. And if you would like to support this podcast in a way that does not cost you any money, you can, of course, follow me on social media. You can subscribe to my mailing list. You can subscribe to this YouTube channel if you're watching on YouTube. And you can leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts if you listen there. And of course, you can just share with your friends and family. Like that helps me a ton. I appreciate all of your support in whatever form that it comes in. 
Um, so yeah, that's all. But thank y'all for listening. And again, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, Latanya. This is amazing. Like legit, I need tissue to like wipe my freaking eyes and nose, child. Because you got me weeping over here. But thank you, and thank you for tuning in, supporting Shades of Brown as always. I'd like to leave you with this. I hope that you would be well, love well, and be loved well. You deserve that. Until next time, bye bye.